Hi, and welcome to episode 93 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. And this episode, we're going to be talking about best and worst features of iOS 12, and we'll all be weighing in uh, on which ones we think are the best and worst features, and we want to hear from you as well what you think are the best and worst. So uh, we'll jump right into that after we tell you about our sponsor, GoBuddy. GoBuddy. <laughs> GoBuddy. So GoBuddy has a really cool line of products, and the one I want to tell you about today is it's a protective case for your AirPods. So um, AirPods are Apple's wireless earpods, uh, and they're very popular. Everyone in our office loves them. Yeah, I actually, they're on my wish list. I'm going to buy them soon. And when I do, I'm going to get one of these protective cases because, because they're so portable, you want to just throw them in a backpack and have them uh, be available to you. But uh, they're expensive, and you don't want them to break. And so this is a protective case for it. And what's really cool about it is that you can ha engrave on it. So you can put your name and phone number so that if you lose your AirPods, like Donna did. <laughs> yeah, I could have used this case. Someone will call you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's very affordable, it's very affordable, high quality materials. Uh, so make sure you check it out. We'll have a link to it in our show notes. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast, it's also available on Amazon if you want to search for it. And it has a carabiner too. Yes. So you can attach it to your backpack or like, you know, the strap of your purse, which is nice so it, it won't get lost in your bag mm -hmm. like it does otherwise. Mm -hmm. So that's cool as well. Um, our daily tip today is about iOS 12. So before we jump into our best and worst features, I'll be sharing a tip with, with you guys. And I think you'll like this because a lot of our readers commented that with iOS 12, they're like, I updated and I didn't notice anything different. And that's a lot of the features with iOS 12, you have to know where to look. They're subtle. Yeah, and so this one is uh, how to set a location-based do not disturb, uh, how to get location-based do not disturb options. Uh, so this is part This is uh, part of our daily tips newsletter. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you'll get a tip in your inbox every day. Right now is a really good time to sign up for this free newsletter because you'll learn something you can do with iOS 12. Um, almost every day we do a mix of tips that are for the new operating system and ones that have been around for a while, but it's a really great way to learn all of the new features over time without it being a big time commitment at all. So iphonelife.com slash daily tips for that. Um, so here's how to use this setting. This is a new iOS 12 thing. If you, you, in order for this to work, you have to have your location services enabled. So to do that, go to settings on your device, privacy, and make sure you have location services turned on. While you're there, you also want to make sure if you are turning this on for the first time that you tailor all of your apps mm -hmm. settings because you don't want, first of all, for privacy's sake, you don't want all these apps tracking your locate, location that you don't need to. And also, it's a um, battery issue because it's going to drain your battery. At, when you're doing that, kind of as a, a, an aside tip, mm -hmm. uh, Apple gives you a pretty clear guide on where to look because they have this little, if you ever notice that icon in the top right corner, I don't know, how would, how would you explain the GPS icon? It's like kind of a chevron looking icon. Yeah, yeah it's a chevron uh, arrow. And, yeah, and so if you're in location services, 
it'll have a list of apps, and if it has if that if it has a Chevron next to it that's purple, it means it's current. That app is currently using your location. If it's uh, kind of a gray, it means it has used in the last 24 hours. So those are really good places to look because some of those you may want to use your location. If you're using maps, you want to use your locations. If you have a smart home, you may want like Nest to use your location, something like that. Weather is a good example, but a lot of apps really don't need to be using your, lo your location and if they are, turn that off. And you can also adjust it to be instead of, you, you have controls of on, use, allow it to use all the time, use your location while, while you have the app open and off. So for example, for weather, you may not want it to use your location all the time, but you may want it on when you open the app. Yeah, that's what I do for, for weather. Mm -hmm. But um, So once you have location services on, now when you go to control center on your phone, you'll have do not disturb as an option there. And when you hard press it with iOS 12, you'll have an option that says, to, that allows you to turn on Do Not Disturb until you leave the certain location. And that's a setting that didn't used to be there. You used to be able to turn Do Not Disturb on and off, which I guess I should back up for a second. Do Not Disturb is a setting that allows you to mute all of your notifications for a set amount of time. You can, in your settings app, you can put this on a timer, on a schedule, so you might have this on, um, you might have this on in the evenings when you're home and like don't want to be connected to your device so much or you may just turn it on while you're in a meeting. But now this is nice, Apple has uh, added a few new options. You'll see things like set it, turn it on for an hour in there, but now if, if you have your location services turned on, you can also have uh, location-based do not disturb parameters. So if you say, when I leave this location, that will, let's say you're in a meeting, then when you leave that building, do not disturb will be turned off again. So that's nice. I feel like that's one of those little things that's really convenient, and it's a small change, but it can make a difference. Uh, do not disturb is a setting I use personally a lot, so I, I have been enjoying that. What about you guys? I need to start using it more. I uh, the problem is, is I allow phone calls to come through because I feel like if somebody calls me, it might be an emergency. Mm. But then I don't trust that it won't go off. <laughs> but I pretty much. I use it at night. I have it set every night. Um, but I think now that it gives you more options to turn on and off for an hour, I'm going to start using more. Because my concern was I would turn it on and then forget about it, and then I would miss calls and texts and yeah, notifications that I cared too. about. So yeah, I you, think sir? this setting's helping avoid that. Yeah, it's like you don't just turn it on and then it's on forever. You know, right? Um, I I do use Do Not Disturb. I schedule it at night and. Um, I've had to really limit. It's only like from like midnight to 5 a.m. because I have missed important texts that came in at 11 or, you know, mm -hmm. 6 a.m. And I, it's really annoying to me that I can't have Do Not Disturb like scheduled for different days differently. Like I might yeah. want it for the weekend. Like I might want to have schedule. like certain times during the day on a regular basis and not have to remember to turn it on. Um, so it's annoying to me that I can't do multiple schedules, mm -hmm. but this is definitely a step in the right direction. It's yeah, definitely my sure. biggest pet peeve with it is that I have different schedules for the weekend and weekdays, and it should really let me customize. And it'd be so easy to do. Like we've yeah. been saying this on this podcast for years. I don't know why Apple's being so lame. 
Yeah, why isn't Apple listening? Yeah. Although Leanne, uh, one of our writers here, was hoping for a location-based option for Do Not Disturb. Oh, she got it. So Apple so listened to Leanne. This was one, and she writes our daily tips. So she <laughs> she wrote, this is one of our first iOS 12 tips. So go to iPhoneLife.com slash daily tips if you want to sign up for this newsletter. Uh, next up, we want to talk to you about iPhone Life Insider. And I also want to tell you that if you are an iPhone Life Insider, which is our premium subscription, we are no longer going to plug Insider to you in this podcast uh, <laughs> or daily tips. We're doing a completely ad-free version with also some extra content just for our Insider subscribers, starting with this episode. So uh, that's something that we're excited about offering uh, to all of you guys. So if you ha- are a regular listener of this podcast and you hear us talk about Insider and you've been on the fence about whether or not to subscribe, we gave you an excuse to subscribe. Yeah. Extended episodes. Every episode will be longer for insiders, and it'll be ad-free. Yeah. So our in- for those of you who are not insiders, we wanted to tell you a little bit about the program. Um, it is our premium service, so it's a monthly subscription, and you get our full educational service. We'll teach you really start to finish how to use all of your Apple, all of your iOS devices. So we have in-depth guides that will walk you through how to do that. We have video versions of our daily tips that will you'll get a video walkthrough of how to do cool things with your phone every day. It just takes a minute to do. You get a full digital archive of iPhone Life magazine. We have over 30 issues in our archive now, and you'll get access, of course, to all of our new issues as they come out. And that includes buyer's guide, how-to guide, productivity, um, lots of exciting themes there. And you get uh, access to Sarah, who will answer your tech questions. So sometimes with all the stuff we, all the stuff that comes up, you get a kind of particular problem that you're having a hard time finding an answer to on our site. So you can just email Sarah, and she'll help you find a solution. And before we get into our question of the day, if you all could just do me a favor, if you do subscribe from the podcast, it's very difficult to track. <laughs> and so if you mind. Just shoot us an email. Let us know that you listen to the podcast and that's why you subscribed. We'd really appreciate it. So that'd be yeah. a podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Okay. Awesome. Um, so each each episode we've been sharing an insider question that Sarah's helped helped answer. So we're gonna have her share one with us. Great. Um, so this insider uh, wanted to know how to locate information. I'll just read the question. How do I locate information on my iPhone about my iPhone and or Apple Watch, such as model, series, generation, etc.? Thank you. It's a great question. I feel like people ask me this a lot. <laughs> and, it, and it's changed. It used to be a little, you had to go a lot deeper into different menus. Um, but now, all you have to do is you open the settings app, uh, you tap on your name, your Apple ID at the top of the settings menu, and then you will see a list of all the devices you're signed into using your Apple ID, um, including your iPhone and your Apple Watch. And underneath, say, iPhone, it will say, if you're doing it on your iPhone, it'll say this iPhone, and it will tell you what, what iPhone it is, like what model, like iPhone 10 or 7. And then and same with Apple Watch, it will tell you, like mine says, Series 3. And then if you tap on that, then you will also, you'll be taken to a page where you'll see the model, the serial number and which version of iOS you are running on the device, which is important because if you have an older iPad or like an iPhone 5, you won't be able to, I mean, you've probably noticed by now, but you can't, you haven't been able to update since iOS 9. And so you'll know, it'll say iOS 9.3, and so you'll know that 
if you want the latest things, you're going to have to get a newer iPhone. Um, so that's where you find all that stuff. And we also have an article explaining in a lot more detail all the different generations of iPhone and, um, and how to identify that. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And a fun, awesome. fun fact is that's one of our most popular articles on our website. People Google that a lot. What iPhone do I have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people ask me that a lot. And also, I think people get confused sometimes between their iPhone model and then their iOS version. Uh-huh. Like people will be like, I think I have iOS 10 or something like that. And I'm like, do you mean iPhone 10? Well, <laughs> so yeah. it's nice just to get clarity here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's maybe partly because for Android phones, a lot of times if you want the newest version of the Android OS, you actually have to get a new phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually you would with an iPhone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, like multiple generations going back can all update to mm-hmm. the latest version of iOS. So, But I think it's confusing for some people for that reason. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that, Sarah. Uh, We wanted to read some comments from listeners from our last episode. Mm -hmm. Our last episode was right after Apple's fall announcement, and our question of the week was, which new Apple device are you most excited about? Because in last episode, Sarah and I weighed in on the iPhone X, um, the iPhone XS, XS Max, and XR, and which one was right for you. Um, So here are some answers. We also talked about the Apple Watch Series 4, and that's actually what most people wrote in about. Well, I really wish I hadn't talked myself into the Series 3 watch this spring. (laughs) Now Apple has lowered the price of the 3 to what I paid on sale then. I'd probably get the 4, although it's pricey if I hadn't made that purchase. Amazing features, the ECG, that's short for electrocardiogram. Um, Apple Apple has an FDA-approved electrocardiogram reading now in your watch, so that can help you detect. How do you pronounce uh, the condition? Do you know? AFib, but yeah. AFib is for short, but it's a... Atrial fibrillation. It's a... Um, I kind of mumbled that. Yeah, so that's a condition that can lead to life-threatening, you know, it can lead to heart stroke, it can lead to um, a lot of different health conditions, so this is a super exciting feature to have, especially if you're maybe a little older and you want to make sure that, you know, your heart health is good. It also has fall detection, so... Uh, this reader says, I guess I'll have, I'll just look forward to getting a new one in a couple years. For the first time, I was quite underwhelmed and disappointed by the new iPhones. If there was a blue or purple 10s, I might go for it. <laughs> I don't want anything bigger or heavier, and I hate to downgrade my camera, so I can't see myself getting the 10R just because the colors and lower price. I usually spend the next day debating my size, color, and capacity options, and then I excitedly stay up until 3 a.m. to order. I was bummed to miss out on that pensive face. Thanks for a good show. Donna Campbell, a fellow Donna. <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of agree. I, I wrote an article uh, for the magazine about kind of which iPhone should you get, and I'm assuming that Donna has an iPhone 10. If you don't have an iPhone 10, these are really exciting offerings for you. If you have one, it's really hard. I couldn't quite convince myself to upgrade because it's basically, the 10s is so similar to the 10. Yeah. That unless you want the bigger screen, it's really hard to justify. Yeah, yeah. I'm in that position too where I don't want the 10s Max. That's just, I really enjoy not having a giant plus phone anymore, but having, you know, the screen size of the 10. It doesn't feel like a huge upgrade to get the 10s for me. And the 10R feels a little bit of a downgrade. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think all of us were kind of had the consensus that if you bought the 10 last year, 
hold on to it, save yourself some money this year. I, I will say though that I, I just read an article getting ready for the podcast. Unfortunately, we I didn't have time to source it and get it in here for the news, but that the iPhone 10s Max is dramatically outselling the 10s, which mm, makes that sense. That doesn't surprise yeah, me. It, it makes a lot of uh, sense. And I think we may be. I don't want to say necessarily the minority, but I think a lot of people are very excited about the large screen, and I think mm-hmm. the three of us aren't as excited. And we had that same experience with the uh, plus-size phone, where we weren't necessarily as excited as yet. It was a very good seller, and I actually eventually switched over and really enjoyed the plus-size phone. So we'll see. And I also think that a lot of people didn't get the ten. Yeah. You know, like yeah. in our office, a lot of people got the 10, but most friends I have have an older phone. In that case, I think this year has a ton of great options yeah, for absolutely. you, whether you want a bigger display there, or not. There's another thing to consider. What forced me to eventually get the Plus phone, because although I enjoyed the bigger screen, it wasn't a really big deciding factor, was the difference in the cameras. Mm-hmm. And now, finally, like there's really not much of a difference between the iPhone XS camera and the iPhone XS Max camera, which is great because for women, it's really, if you or anyone with smaller hands, it's pretty hard to hold on to that bigger phone. And it, it it's, um, you know, some people say like, it's kind of sexist to have such a giant phone, only if, you know, you can't get the same features on the smaller phone. And now you can. I think right? too, with the six and a half inch screen, nobody's going to be able to hold it with one hand and reach that corner. So I think that everybody, I think the 10s Max is just a two-handed phone for all of us. Unless pop, like Pop Shaq. sockets. Can yeah. I just like plug <laughs> That's pop sockets? That's what I was sockets? just thinking. I, was like, I don't have one on my phone right now. I've been using them less since I switched to a 10 versus the Plus. But pop sockets are great. Yeah, it's like a little one-handed for selfies because that's <laughs> what phones are for. Yeah, um, You can use them as like a little stand. They're great. I, I love them. Hate them. Yeah, it's like a $10 stick-on device that you put on the back of your case that, you know, we'll, we'll link to it in our podcast document so you can check it out if just, you want. Just as a counter perspective, I hate them. Okay. <laughs> I'm, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I, if you carry your phone in your pocket, they get stuck every time you're trying to put it in your pocket. Uh, They're not pocket-friendly. They're not pocket-friendly. Yeah, but, so maybe but, for men who don't, you know, carry a bag it's not as good of an option yeah. but for but. me even with the pop socket like this like the bigger phone was just too even without the pop socket it was just really too big for my purse it was kind of a pain so the pop socket wasn't really an issue for me mm. um i don't know i'm just much happier with a smaller phone really all right so we have a couple more comments <laughs> i'm gonna read through Sorry. <laughs> buying the series 4 watch they finally got it exactly right we'll wait for the next iteration of the max next year bill and we have another one. I just listened to your podcast about the watch and using it to replace a fall warning device notifier, which I think is really, this is yeah. something I just think is really cool. Like I know that a lot of seniors are wearing like a lifeline necklace or something like that so that if they fall down, they can press a button and help will be on its way. But I know that like just psychologically that can be not the greatest feeling to have to wear that every day. But an Apple watch has all these cool features uh, and is more something that you feel great about wearing, and then you also have that extra safety. So I think the Apple Watch is such a good safety device, and Absolutely. especially now with the um, electrocardiogram reading, it's especially compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll finish reading this comment. With my current Apple Watch, when I have have it turned on to cellular, the battery runs down quickly. Unless the upcoming watch has got a significantly stronger battery, I don't know if we can rely on those to replace a bigger battery warning device for when grandma might fall. Ken Rubin wrote this in. So sounds like 
while while he's heavily considering the Apple Watch Series 4 as a fall warning device, if it's running out of battery before the end of the day, then you can't fully rely on it. That is very I mean, true. It does have a better battery, though, the new Series 4, doesn't it? I mean, I think... Well, well it has the same battery. It's the like, same 18-hour battery is what it says. I Yeah, I don't have cellular, and I find that I'm generally at 50% when I end the day, even if I've tracked a couple workouts. So... I find the battery life of the Series 3 amazing, so if the Series 4 has the same, but I don't have the you cellular. You don't have cellular, yeah. Cellular makes a difference, because I, yeah, I have the original Apple Watch and I have no battery problems, but I don't have the cellular, so. My husband has the Series 3 cellular though, and he's not having any problems with the battery, but he, I don't know, he doesn't make that many calls on it. It depends on usage, I think. Yeah. It really does, yeah. So before we talk about best and worst features of iOS 12, we want to tell you about our second sponsor for this episode, Full Contact. So one of the apps that I never use is Apple's Contacts app. It's just really not very well designed. It's not very functional. So Full Contact is kind of the Contacts app that Apple should have used. First of all, it's available across all your devices, and that's particularly convenient if you have any devices that aren't Apple products. And second of all, it brings in contacts from uh, other sources like Gmail, things like that. And finally, one really cool feature about it is that it scans business cards. So if you're at a conference or something like that and you have a bunch of business cards, it scans them and adds them as contacts. So really convenient app. Uh, make sure you check it out. You can go to fullcontact.com or look for it in the App Store. Uh, and we will have a link to it in our show notes as well. All right, awesome. Thanks, David. So let's jump into it. What are your favorite and least favorite features of iOS 12? Okay, let me pull up my notes. <laughs> David so has we notes. did have a couple people, I already mentioned this earlier, that said they, they, up, they updated to iOS 12 and didn't notice any changes. Mm -hmm. Was that your experience? I mean, I've been using the iOS 12 beta for a long time. Me too. One thing that I think is really significant, actually, is that I haven't noticed any yeah. changes. And that's because when I updated to iOS 11 last year, it was so insanely buggy it was like I really almost regretted updating. Mm -hmm. That's um, true. It was really, so it's kind of great that things are going this smoothly. Yeah, yeah, I have that as top of my list. The fact that you're not noticing changes is my favorite thing. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think anybody said that with iOS 11. It was so buggy. Yeah. And this has been as smooth of an update as I've seen. And a lot of the subtler changes are there in terms of, it's faster, it's more polished. Like, not only is it not introducing new bugs, but it's cleaning up the older bugs. Yeah, and also um, another factor is um, my favorite features I've noticed are really small changes that you might not mm -hmm. even notice are happening, but they make things so much more smooth. Yeah. And so that's another reason I think you might not realize, like, Logging into things, two-factor verification is all so much easier now, and that's iOS 12. Yeah, that's my that's on my list to the two-factor authentication. So how that works is when you are online and you go to log in someplace, uh, if you haven't logged in recently or if you're in a weird location, how most two-factor authentication works is it'll text you a code that you are supposed to then go and enter, go back to the website and enter it in. If you are on your phone uh, trying to log in someplace and it texts you two-factor authentication, when you go back to the website, uh, or you don't even need to leave the website, a little notification will pop up that says, do you want to enter this code? Because 
it was, I found it, re I don't know about you guys, but I found two-factor authentication really annoying because when you go to copy and paste a text message, it wants to copy the whole text message, not yeah. just the code. And so you couldn't copy this code. And I'm having there trying to memorize these little six-digit number, like... Or quickly type it in before the little banner notification yeah. goes away. Mm -hmm. So now it automatically gives you the option to enter the two-factor notification without having to copy and paste it or just remember it. It auto-fills it. Yeah. It, I didn't even realize it was happening at first because it was just... It was just so smooth. It was it was great. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, I I love group notifications. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in a Facebook chat group that's really busy. They send like hundreds of messages a day, and so I'll look at my phone and there's like this stack of fifty messages, and I just swipe left and they're all gone. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Um, I feel like we should describe a little bit about for people who don't know listening what that yeah, is. Good point. So um, group notifications basically, and you can customize it to a certain degree within your notification settings per app and in general. Um, but basically it takes all the notifications from a single app and basically sort of stacks them. So instead of this long, long thing that you have to scroll through of different notifications, it's just one. Um, one little banner on your in your notification center or on your lock screen and you can choose to tap on it and look at all of those but if you know it's not something you need to deal with right away or or not you know doesn't require response from you you can also very effortlessly just swipe them away um, because you know you can clear notifications from the lock screen by swiping left you can also um, manage your notifications right from the lock center by if you have 3D Touch by, you know, hard pressing, or if you have don't have 3D Touch like the 10R won't, um, just long pressing, um, and then a, an option will pop up to that will let you manage your notifications mm -hmm. for that app. Which so if it's starting to annoy you, you can, in that moment of annoyance where you're motivated to change it, you can change it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we use Slack in our office. Slack is a tool for inner office communication. And um, which is awesome. Which is really great, but it what what happens is you end up being subscribed to all these different threads. So people who are talking about the magazine have a thread, and people who are talking about the website have a thread, and so you get all these notifications coming in. And I, you, I didn't want to turn off my notifications because sometimes they're relevant to me and I want to read them. But you, I end up literally if I'm away from my phone for a couple hours during a workday, we'll have like hundreds of messages. And it, it, what happens, not only is that annoying because my phone's just filled with them, but prior to iOS 12, then I would miss the notifications that I actually wanted to see, like text messages. So the fact that it collapses all of the conversations within one app to one notification is so convenient to me. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. One other thing about this, too, is like the while it ends up grouping most things by app, so far that's been my experience, the by default it's set to group notifications automatically and sometimes that will be based on other contexts besides just by app so for instance this is the only thing i've really noticed and is the messages app you'll get different stacks for different groups or people like it won't just group all of your text messages into one stack mm -hmm. like i'll have oh my like family group message i'll have a stack for that mm -hmm. and then from another person i, I really like that's that that's nice because yeah. I feel like there's two camps of text messaging people. There's mm -hmm. the ones who will send you long blocks of text in one message. 
But then there's the people who hit send after each sentence, <laughs> and it drives me nuts. So I'm really glad that I can, it really eliminates the anger I feel at those people. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I totally agree with you that group notifications is one of the best updates to iOS 12 because it's just so practical. Like I can't right. see such a And another layout. thing I've noticed is in this particular Facebook Messenger chat, when it is a time and place where I want to be paying attention to those messages, they stop grouping. What do you mean? I mean, mm. if I've been like looking at the notifications and reading them, oh, interesting. then if a bunch of them come in, I'll pick it up and they're just one after huh. the other. I so haven't that's, noticed that. That's really interesting, yeah, because I, I was going to say I hadn't seen that much yet. Like Apple talked about intelligently grouping them based on your usage, so that must be part of that. Right. So it's it's really great. I am really enjoying it. Cool. How about you, Donna? So I uh, I put together the iOS 12 guide, and I I had made an entire lesson on just like hidden features of iOS 12 because I think my a lot of my favorites were some were little things. Mm -hmm. So this is gonna sound little, but um, do not disturb while sleeping is a new feature. There were a few new updates to, to Do Not Disturb, which earlier in the podcast we described what that is. It mutes your notifications so you're not disturbed. Uh, but so this is one, if you have your bedtime feature set up, which you can open the clock app or in your control center, you can go to your clock from there and set up a bedtime routine. So it'll basically uh, tell, give you a reminder of when to go to bed and when to wake up. And it's Apple's way of trying to help you stay on a regular routine and get your like seven or eight hours in. So if you have that set up, when your bedtime kicks in, your phone will go into Do Not Disturb, and it it'll be a little bit of a different look than before. It has a just darkened screen, and it will tell you that you're. It'll have like a little star, moon, and stars that you're supposed to be sleeping <laughs> during this time. And then in the morning, when your uh, when your alarm goes off, because the bedtime feature has a like slow alarm set to it in the morning. This is part of why I love it because it'll just quietly, it'll like start quiet. I have birds chirping quietly and then it gets louder. And then when I pick up my phone, I'll have a little, a nice little widget that says good morning and shows me the weather and doesn't bombard me with a bunch of notifications. And then when I dismiss that, it goes to my regular screen. That's just like, I, I do like that part I a like lot. it a lot I'm too. Not, I don't totally love the bedtime thing because. You don't? No, because if, I generally have go to bed earlier than I have my Do Not Disturb set to start. Mm -hmm. And so um, I found that it was overriding that and I was missing things that came in after, say, 9.30. Uh, um, but I do like waking up and not having notifications because um, one of my children likes to send me, like, a lot of texts in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if she's up studying or whatever. and and. Uh, so then I can, you know, look at all the memes she sent me when I'm ready. Let, let me ask you guys a very detail-oriented question. Uh, does the alarm feature work for HomePod? Because I like, love being able to have my HomePod be my alarm because I can set it from bed and I can turn it off from bed without having to get up. I just go, hey, Siri, turn on my alarm, turn it off. Mm -hmm. But the alarm is so loud. And you can't customize you the can't sound. You can't customize it. You can't tell it to be quieter. And so it's really rough. Yeah. It I sounds hate, like it sounds like no there's no solution for that. I've spent some time Googling this because it enrages me. Yeah. Um, you can tell Siri to stop your, turn off your alarm. I think, right? Yeah, you can. That you can do on your phone. once it like rudely no, wakes you up really loud. So you're basically like, 
Uh-oh. if your alarm goes off, I think you can say, I'm afraid to say it, it's like Voldemort, hey Siri, <laughs> turn off the alarm. Well, you can say that to the HomePod, too. Right, but the, the alarms on your phone are much more customizable. There you go. And um, they're much more customizable on your phone in terms of what sounds they're making and the volume. I and see. So, so you're saying use your phone alarm, not your HomePod alarm. No, because the HomePod alarm is designed to make you feel really angry with Apple, is my opinion. Here, <laughs> here's my problem. I generally don't set alarms, and so when I do, I think of it in the last minute when I'm already lying in bed, and when I tell Siri to turn on the alarm, it's the HomePod picks it up. So, mm. okay, sorry. <laughs> so there's sorry, a couple tangent. other little things I was just going to bring yeah. up, like other hidden features. You can now add a second person to Face ID, although it's a bit oh, of a strange way that you do it. It's not the same as Touch ID where you can register different fingers. It, it, when you go into your Face ID settings, it'll give you an option to set a second appearance. Um, but then once you've registered that, you can use it to unlock the phone, but it won't show them as two people listed there. And if you uh, want if you want to redo, if you want to reset your Face ID, you have to delete them both. It, at, like you just reset it completely. But it's a nice option if you're sharing your device with another person and yeah. you want to be able to do that. Um, there are also, you can use Siri to turn on your flashlight, which is something that they should have done Ooh. a long time ago because part of the reason you want to turn your flashlight on is because it's dark and you yeah. can see what you're You've doing. You've just transformed my entire life because when I'm walking my dogs at you're night, welcome. there's areas where it's really dark and then there's areas where it's well lit. Um, ah. You know, like trees blocking the street lights and, and things. And you've got your dogs in your hands. And, and, and I'm trying to like also turn my flashlight on and now yeah. I can just ask Siri to do it. Thank you so much. And then finally, low power mode, which I love because extending your battery is great. Low power mode now allows you to use Hey Siri. And that's something like, it's one of the biggest reasons Siri's that a field I have day over here. Yeah. It's one of the biggest reasons I would not keep low power mode on is because uh, I actually use Siri quite a bit. Mm. And uh, it was really annoying to me that to have it be inconsistent, like sometimes it's not working, oh why? Because I have low power mode on. So now it works. Yeah, there you that's go. annoying. Can I share a funny story about Hey Siri? Yes. Yeah. Um, apparently we say that a lot, especially me for some reason, in this podcast. <laughs> and I've heard from a friend who was listening to it, she was by herself in the house, and I kept saying, hey Siri, and then I think it was her HomePod kept responding. <laughs> and it was like terrifying, but also hilarious, so. Uh, she was listening to the podcast? Fun. Yeah. That's so funny. Does it, if that happens to you all, let us know. That yeah, so, I'm so sorry. And iPhoneLife.com, and this is a good point. I've got a few more, but this is a good moment to say this is our question of the day. So what are your favorite or least favorite iOS 12 features? Send us an email at podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Let me give you guys a couple other ones that I'm loving. Um, First of all, password management has gotten mm. so much better. Yeah. So there's two things about it that I love. First of all, it's it, Siri password management is now integrated because what happens is a lot of times on my computer, oh, Siri, I meant Safari, uh, I'll, I'll use my computer, I'll use my browser to, do, uh, to log into a website, but on my phone I'll use an app. So now when you download that app and you go to log in, if you've logged in on Safari on your website, it will pull that up as one, it'll make that password available to you. So basically what it's doing is it's making iCloud passwords available on third-party apps. So yeah, it's yeah. integrating websites and yeah. apps too. Another thing that I really appreciate about it is it highlights um, with a little warning when you're using the same password or username on different accounts, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if someone can 
reverse engineer that um, because everyone uses, I don't know, their birthdays or their dog's name, I don't know. Um, you know, I have to go change my passwords. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, actually, my iPhone already made me. Um, so, but if, if you are using the same username or password in a lot of places, then once someone is able to hack one account, then they can hack a lot of accounts. And so having different hard to guess, like random uh, passwords is a really good idea. And so, but it's kind of hard to come up with those on your own. So it's really great that your iPhone is identifying those and suggesting stronger passwords. Whoa. Which you can do by going, you go to settings, accounts and passwords, and then tap uh, something like accounts at the top and it'll list all of them. And as Sarah said, it'll have a little gray warning side next to the ones that are duplicates. Right. Um, and the other reason why I sometimes am guilty of having the same passwords across across different services is because it was such a hassle to use, I use one password, which will generate really good passwords for me, but then if I'm on my phone, to pull up the one password app, copy it, then go back to the wherever I was, and then paste it in, was such a hassle. And so now, with the password management tool, when uh, not only is iCloud passwords accessible through third-party apps, but it, it allows me to use one password on third-party apps. And I think there was a way to do it before, but it was really complicated, only worked sometimes, whereas now it's really easy and is working really well for me. So I'm loving that. Uh, is this, I mean, I guess you just said you still use one password, but are Apple's password management tools would you say good enough for you now to like just want to use that or not really? You know, the thing is, is that I am not fully on Apple. So I'm using Chrome quite a bit. And so because of that, I am not, uh, I am not using that. Yeah, I was going to say I use Chrome on my computer and I last a few days ago, I found myself like typing in a super long suggested password from Apple. Yeah that I got on my iPhone for a login. I was like, oh, this is annoying because it won't, if you created a password using Safari on your iPhone, that's not going to autofill for you when you're on your computer on Google Chrome. So mm -hmm. there are still limitations. Can I complain? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking. I have a complaint about this. Sometimes there's a limit to the number of characters you can have in a password. And Apple's password suggestions are always the same length and sometimes they're too long. And then I have to like manually edit them down. Hmm. That's annoying. It is annoying. Yeah, one password lets you like control the length of the password. Yeah, which is I, nice. that would be really great. Yeah, I've never yeah. heard of a too long password. I mean, I guess. I have. There are some sites that will like have pretty strict, like both how many characters you need and numbers and, and which, how long. Which types. Yeah, like eight to 12 characters or something. Um, are there any other iOS Oh, we've done our best. We now need to say our least yeah, favorite. Yeah, well, let, let me, I have one more favorite. Okay. If you guys don't have any more. Uh, photo sharing has gotten so much yeah, better. That's true. Uh, it was a major complaint of mine how hard it was to share albums with people. And now it's so easy. It just texts people a link. It, it's super convenient. My only complaint, and this was something I found during the beta period, so I'm not sure if this will remain true now that iOS 12 is out but it only worked for iOS 12. So I was on iOS 12 beta and my girlfriend's on iOS 11 and I try to share with her albums mm -hmm. and they wouldn't show up for her because she wasn't on iOS 12. So it's kind of a, I love the way you can share photos now, it's super convenient, but also, I mean, not only does it not work for Android, but it also doesn't work for iOS 12. 
So. So yeah, that's. Uh, are there any other ones that you favorites you want to talk about? I mean, I see on David's worst list memojis, and I love them. Mm. But I think because mine turned out really well, yeah. and so I'll let you complain about that later. But for me, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into our worst features of iOS 12, uh, David, why don't you start? You have well, to... I can start with the memoji since okay. we're on the okay. topic. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's two reasons I'm complaining about it. The first one is apparently Apple doesn't have good features for long curly hair, which I have. really don't. And so that's really annoying. Second of all, I use Bitmoji, and Bitmoji had, it just was such an easier system. I found it so much easier to make Bitmoji look like me. They had like, I mean, this is silly, but they have like different clothing options, which is fun. There was all sorts of things you could do with it that Memoji didn't do, so it feels a little bit half-baked. But the main reason it's on my list of features that are worst is just, it's one of those features everybody talks about ahead of time, but I never use. Like, even if mine looked like me for real, I still wouldn't use it. Like, when are you sending a memoji of yourself? It's like, it's the same thing with animojis, and I don't know if you, you're looking like maybe you do use them frequently. I never use them. Sometimes yeah. I text my children with um, emojis just because I know that it makes them groan and... You're really annoyed with me. Uh, so just to clarify for your listeners, emojis uh, and memojis, they're animated versions of animojis of other animals that mimic your facial expressions. And memojis, it's an avatar you create of yourself or whoever you want that also mimics your facial expressions. And this is a feature that only works if you have a front-facing true-depth camera, which the iPhone X and later have. Um, and so... This feature, like for me, I think it's a fun feature, but the reason I don't love it is because it requires too much creativity on your part. Like you have to be the one to say something interesting and like come up with something. Whereas Bitmoji has, will always suggest like funny, interesting memes with your avatar in it that are like ready to, mm -hmm. to ship off. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the reason, like if I had to, you know, take my avatar and do something with it to come up with something to send someone, I would never use Bitmoji either. So I feel yeah. like that's part of why, like, if they kind of already had that making it funny and interesting part covered for you, then I would yeah. use it. Yeah, I think <laughs> the main reason it's on my worst list is because it, it fits into a bigger theme of mine, which is the way people talk about new phones and new operating systems and what's actually useful are very different. So, like, there's a whole marketing campaign that Apple has right now around Memojis. When, when iOS 12 was announced, that was the main feature we were talking about yet password management and things like two-factor authentication are so useful and so valuable and yet we spend so much time debating the pros and cons of like can it detect your tongue on a memoji and i just hate the whole way we cover this stuff i mean but those are the things that suck you in and then you're like "Ooh, password management is so easy i understand <laughs> but it makes the me angry features. yes yeah so features that I don't like, uh, David has this one down too, but screen time. Mm -hmm. uh, Apple well in, had a well-intentioned new feature that <laughs> to uh, help you cut back on how much you're using your device or like basically use your device more consciously. And if you go into settings, you can tailor that there. It includes things like app limits. So you, and it's, this is based on categories. So you can be like, I'm only using social media for an hour a day. And then when you hit, that hour limit or 15 minutes before it'll like send you a warning that you're getting close and then will gray out all of your social media apps and you have to override it in order to get to them. 
think it's really annoying. Well, I think <laughs> the problem with it is that it's too well-intentioned. It feels like parental. like parental or like 1984 or something. It's like my phone shouldn't tell me when I can use my phone. <laughs> yeah, and then it includes also just some of the other screen time things. It allows you to set routines too so that you can have like downtime. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. So you could set like... 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. is downtime because you're, you know, off work and shouldn't be on your phone or whatever. I don't know. But that's also, then it grays out all of your apps. And yeah, that's really annoying. Yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry, Sarah. Oh. Uh, you hate I, it too? Yes, I do. And I turned it off pretty quickly. I do wonder if I had just spent a week tracking how I was using my phone and then looked at that information to make informed decisions about mm -hmm. my screen time settings if it would have been a more enjoyable experience for me. But I, I don't know that I have really... I mean, there's definitely like maybe I could not use my phone right at bedtime, but there's other more realistic solutions like charging my phone downstairs or... I don't know, there's other things I can do, and I don't really feel like I need my phone to tell me how much I can use it. Mm -hmm. And some of the things, like how many times do you pick up your phone, is not really an accurate indicator of what I'm doing with my phone and whether that's a problem. So oh, I, I actually know. found that to be a fun one. The thing that I do like about this feature <laughs> is, as Sarah said, it gives you stats. So if you go into your screen time settings at the top, it'll tell you like your average usage per day and over the last 10 days, how many times you pick up your phone per hour, how many notifications you get per hour. Things and notifications, you know, are designed to draw you back into your phone. So you might wanna, you might see that and be like, oh, I actually don't need all these notifications. I'll turn them off for the apps I don't need them from. And that's something that you can do and it feels like it's just helping you be informed instead of trying to control you. Um, I do have a problem. I use my phone too much and I know mm -hmm. that and I feel like it doesn't, it's not the greatest habit for being connected and in the present moment. And so I want help in this way, but I just don't feel like this is, it doesn't actually help me because I end up using my phone because you can override it, but it just makes it more annoying to use. Mm. That's my experience. I don't find it helps me in ways that are like, sometimes I'll find myself watching a show, but also using my phone or reading a book but then starting to scroll through Facebook so I my attention gets divided but I don't think screen time can help with that mm. and so it's more a matter of me you know like maybe making choices about where my phone is when I'm watching TV mm -hmm. or or reading a book so I I think it's really limited in its usefulness all right, cool. Do you guys have any other worst features you want to talk about before we get into our next section? Yeah, my I last... still hate Face ID. Oh, <laughs> I disagree with you. I love Face ID. Well, uh, I've, I'll explain my reasons. One is you have to be looking at it straight on, and you have to be looking at it from a certain distance. So if you're lying in bed, you kind of have to like roll over, and then if you're blind and you tend to have your phone right by your face, if you're in bed, you might not be wearing glasses, then you have to like kind of squint at it from here. So I'd really like to be able to use it closer and maybe from a slightly like profile. Mm. I actually will be curious to see if it works better on the new phones because it's using uh, a neural network to use Face ID and the neural network's gotten a lot better on the new phones. And Apple talked up that Face ID was going to be faster uh, okay. on the new phones. So there you yeah. go, a reason to upgrade. Yeah, I, well. <laughs> I also feel like it's gotten better on this phone. Mm. Um, and I do have a suggestion. If you wear glasses, um, when I first set up Face ID, I was wearing my glasses, and then 
it had a lot of trouble recognize me, recognizing me without my glasses. So I redid it and did it without my glasses, and it didn't seem to have a problem when I added my glasses. Well, I think that's a really good use case for the if you have two looks now available to you. Yeah, that's is a good point. Setting one up with glasses and one up without glasses. Oh. That might actually be. That might, help that might be their intention with it. Yeah, I'm it was, assuming like, The it wording is. of it was strange. Like, yeah. yeah, set up a second appearance. Like, yeah. Yeah, so it might be something like that. So I know that you guys want to complain about shortcuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's my other one. I think I think shortcuts will end up being useful, but it's one of my bigger complaints. We, had, we didn't have it in the beta, so we're all pretty new to it, whereas these features, you can tell, if we've all been we've on the beta on for a while, we've had a lot of hands-on time. But it was one of the features I was most excited about, and I just logged into the app. I haven't spent a lot of time in it yet, to be fair. Uh, but I found it, A, to be not the most user-friendly app. Like, it was kind of unintuitive to figure out how to do stuff with it. And B, I just struggled to find really valuable use cases for it. And so I think mm. I will, over time, learn to like it. And I think third-party apps will integrate with it more. Like, for example, uh, I use TripIt to track my flight services, and they just started integrating with it, so now I can ask Siri about flight time. So there's a lot of use cases that will develop over time, but it yeah. just feels not fully baked right now. And so the Shortcuts Cuts app allows you to set up multiple actions that will be triggered by either pressing a button on your screen or using a Siri command to, to trigger that, mm -hmm. um, just to let people know what that is. Um, and this, if you have the Workflow app that's been a third-party app on your phone for a while, this will replace your Workflow app. Mm -hmm. um, I think for people have had different experiences. Some people have had to delete the Workflow app and download shortcuts. For me, when I upgrade, updated to iOS 12, Workflow just disappeared and this app was in its place already. Yeah, I have to download shortcuts. If it's not on your phone, you have to go to the App Store and find it. And it's a good it. point. I think most people with iOS 12 are expecting it to be already on your phone. And so if you're sitting there, like, I don't know what they're talking about shortcuts app, because, you, because yeah. you had Workflow. Oh, yeah. okay. it's because I had Workflow. Okay. And also, it's confusing because since I downloaded the beta um, way back in June, there were shortcut settings in mm -hmm. the settings. So yeah. you could sort of do a little bit of shortcutty stuff. I don't know. So it's people might be expecting it to be in the settings, but it's actually a separate app. Mm -hmm. And yeah. for people who are emailing in, by the way, I would love like if people are using shortcuts and have found useful ways to yeah. do it, and please include that in your best features of iOS 12 and let us know how you're using yeah, it. Yeah, we'd love yeah, to Yeah, I was, for one thing, like the Shortcuts app comes with a gallery of shortcuts that you can just kind of set up. And I found a lot of the suggested shortcuts from Apple were things that you could just do. You don't have to yeah. set them up. If you you can just ask Siri to do those things and they'll happen already. So mm -hmm. what are you really? It's not that useful or life changing. But mm -hmm. well, one um, example being that in Safari it said you can add the share sheet that or like it's in third party apps too. Just add to your share option to create a PDF. But that's already there for most. Yeah. Whenever I like hit share on most things yeah, but maybe it's not always there so we'll make it so it's always there also directions home as long as you have your address and your contact already when you say ask for directions apple will give you directions home yeah you've always been able to say hey siri take me home so um oh look it didn't do it yeah <laughs> um 
So yeah, I think it's a feature with a lot of potential. Thank you guys so much. Um, I This wraps up our episode 93 of the iPhone Life podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and remember to email us at podcast at iphonelife.com to let us know your best and worst features of iOS 12. And we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.